Welcome back to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. As a church, we believe that you're made for this, and God has a plan for your life. Here's this week's message. Come on, anybody grateful to be in the house of the Lord? Jesus, you, you are real grateful. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, I wasn't expecting that. Like, that's, we got to be grateful for like that. Some of y'all golf clapped. Like, whoever that was, was that a girl, by the way? Because if it was a guy, perfect. I was going to say, well, it's a guy, man. That's even, wow. I'm like, shoot. Man, that's amazing. I'm really excited about the word today. I really believe God's going to do something absolutely crazy. Uh, it's something that the Lord has been putting on my heart for a while. I'm going to preach a message. Anybody enjoying this uh uh, series, Glory in the Trenches. I, I really believe it's preparing you for what God has for you, man. And the, the sermon today is called Generosity in the Trenches. Generosity in the Trenches. And I can assure you that whenever I talk about money and generosity, it's never because the church um, needs money. I've never done that. Matter of fact, if I'm scheduled to preach on generosity and giving is a little weird, I would tend to postpone that message on generosity is because I want to make sure I check my own heart that anything that I share is because I'm, I'm trying to lead you to all the things that God has for you, not because there's some issue in the church. So if you ever hear me talk about generosity, generosity the church is doing great. I have to tell you, to be honest, the reason why I, I wasn't going to preach on this this week, I, I shifted this is because in prayer, I felt the Lord say he was going to help our church uh, collectively through individuals pay off $1 million in debt this year. What, somebody's like, I'm half of that. <laughs> Student loans, I'm half of that. Wow! The people, wow! And um, I, I, I shot a text yesterday because we actually have something here called Financial Peace University. And I shot a text yesterday to see how many people had signed up for it. It starts today at 12. And you know how many people? We have probably 3,000 people who call Oasis Church home. You know how many people sign up for Financial Peace University, which is all about studying our finances, getting us ready for what God has for us, getting us out of debt. You know how many people sign up for it? Uno, dos, tres, cuatro. If you don't know Spanish like I do, that's four. Out of 3,000. So unless these four people got $250,000 worth of debt each, that word is probably not coming to pass. But I believe that we need to humble ourselves and we need to sign up for this. I'm believing that today we would get 50 people, whether you can make it today at 12 or you start next week and catch up on the homework. But this is something that the Lord wants to do. God is a God who loves to cancel debt. Matter of fact, he would make, if someone needed money, he would make them, if they owed it to you for seven years prophetically in the Old Testament, he would make the people who loan their brother and neighbor in Christ uh, money, he would make them cancel the debt in seven years. You weren't allowed to charge interest. You were supposed to make them, help them pay it off as fast as possible. This is prophetic that the, the, the Lord would, would release finances in our life. Now, we are not a prosperity gospel church. What that simply means is that a prosperity gospel church is a church that believes that money is the reward for obedience. Money is not the reward for obedience. Money is a resource so that obedient people can be even more obedient. It's not a reward. It's a resource. Our reward is in heaven. And, and the Bible sh tells us about money a lot because if you live in L.A., you should know what God's word says about money. Come on, February 1st is coming up, and somebody knows what February 1st means. The rent or the mortgage is due. It is high and it is due. Say that to your neighbor right now. Say, it is high and it is due. So you, ma'am, tell you right now, man, you better be obedient in all L.A. 
devil have you moving to Wichita so you can figure it out. Come on, there's somebody in this room on their way to Kansas right now. You better obey God in L.A. You need about $300,000 to put down on a house. Come on, man. Anybody ever pray at the gas pump? Just praying, $8 a gallon. Remember when you used to see, I'm telling you, remember you used to see your gas go, you put $20, your whole, your, and it clicked. I remember, I'm old enough to know when you put 20 on pump A, it clicked at $19. Anybody old enough for that? Now you put $60 and you don't hear that click. And so you click it yourself. Anybody broke like, let me just click this thing right now before this thing keep going. Who, who, who don't let the gas pump, raise your hand if you don't let the gas pump click on its own and you clicked it yourself. Make some noise, just make some noise. You need to be in Financial Peace University. Now I think, we, I think personally we marketed it wrong. We just say we want financial, we always make things spiritual. If you want financial freedom in this season, sign up for Financial Peace University. If you want to see the Lord moving your finance, we should just say, if you at the pump and you click it yourself, come on through. Just come on through. We should have heard, put somebody at the gas pump. We're doing that. The next Financial Peace, I'm going to put somebody at the gas pump and they're watching that thing and they don't wait for it to click and they just click, just click it themselves and get back in the car. We need financial peace, man. This is so stressful. And then you start having kids. These jokers are so expensive. They cost so much money. And you think they cost money when they're younger. They actually cost more money when you get older. They, like, they want to do sports and they want to do dance. They want to do all this stuff, man. They want to play baseball and kids out here swinging, you know, hitting base, swinging at balls with $400 baseball bats. I'm like, I don't pay that much money for you to strike out. Like, you, it, it's, you're going to have to hit the ball if I pay. If I buy you, you're going to have to hit the ball. And so we don't, but we don't know what God's word says about money. We don't even know what God's word says about money. So generosity in the trenches is going to change somebody's life today. And, and I want to give you real quick, because I have a core verse I'm going to preach from. And, um, uh, but I got to give you the four principal themes that I've noticed about money in the Bible. So a principal biblical theme means that you, you read every verse about money and you pull out the core themes. Because if you take one verse from the Bible and you try to apply it to your life, then you kind of can mess it up if you don't know what the whole Bible says about it. So in most of the verses about money, it brings up these four principles. And if you don't understand these four principles, then the verse that I'm going to tell you about money will not bless you because these four principles you're dealing with right now. And the first principle that's a theme, Old Testament, New Testament, about money is don't love it. Don't love money. Somebody says, I don't love money. I just hate being broke. Anybody like that? I don't love money at all. I just can't stand being broke. I get allergic reaction. I start itching, break out in hives. Anybody look at that Chase account this week and you just broke out, had to get some Benadryl. You were just struggling so bad, you just start, throat start closing up. <clears throat> Feeling a little parched. No, it says don't love it. It says 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So a love of money makes people wander from faith. Isn't that interesting? But not only that, in the pursuit of money and not of God, the Bible says they've pierced themselves. That word pierced is a Greek word that means literally like a spit on a rotisserie where when you pursue money, it's like the devil can put you on a rotisserie and just put you over the fire over and over again, slow. It's a slow, painful, it's not, it's not a quick death, it's a slow, painful death, a piercing. 
says this about money. Don't love money. Don't love money. This is the thing that I had to overcome because I used to love money. I still don't mind it. I just don't love it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm telling you right now, don't love money. Second thing that is a biblical theme in the Bible is don't trust it. Money cannot be trusted. You know the word trust in the Bible means to rely upon, lean upon, depend upon. You can't rely on it. You can't put your, con it means to lean upon, to rely upon, to put your confidence in. How many people know exactly what's in their bank account and if it's the number you like for it to be in there, you feel super confident. And if it's not, you don't feel confident even though you worship God 52 Sundays a year and you pray to him every day. It's actually your money that makes you feel confident. It's interesting that the money, on the money it says in God we trust and we don't. It's as if whoever printed a dollar bill gave you a prophecy, don't trust in this, trust in God. Don't trust in it. Proverbs 11:12 says this. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. I got to be honest, I was really disappointed with that. The righteous will flourish like a green leaf. I'm like, I wish there was another word for it. Like, I, anybody want to flourish like a green leaf, make some noise. About to, I, I feel like it could have been better wording, but hey, it's the Bible. Don't love it, don't trust it. Me, this is, I never, I, I used to show, I don't trust money. I literally trust God, but I used to love money. You're going to find which one of these you land on, and you actually cannot experience financial freedom. Because I'm, I'm telling you right now, not only God is going to pay off debt, but he's going to release financial resources in this church. This is a prophecy. I'm telling you right now, this is a prophecy. The problem is, is that some of us only trust God when there's a reservoir of money, not a river. A reservoir means that you, that it's there. A river means that as you do it, God supplies it. What do we call money and resources in the Bible? Provision. They don't even call it money. It's God is your provider. He is provision. What is the pro? That's the money. What's the second half of the word? Vision. So if you don't do God's vision, God doesn't foot the bill for something that's not him. If you're doing what God wants you to do, he will foot the bill. You don't put trust in the money, you put trust in God. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Come on, green leaf. There's a bunch of green leaves up there. I don't know. I, I still think it's bad. Don't love it. Don't trust in it. You want to hear the third thing? Don't boast about it and don't boast about giving it. These are central themes. Don't brag at it. Like, it's okay to have, like, a gold chain, right? It's okay to, like, did you ever see someone, man, just sitting in traffic on the way to work and you make sure the Mercedes emblem is showing in the, in the, in the story on the steering wheel? I'm not stupid. I know what you're doing. When that was a 97 Corolla, you didn't make sure that was in the shot. Now, all of a sudden, the steering wheel's in the shot, just praying on the way to work. Yeah, okay. 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 We see you. Come on, you just wanna, you just wanna let everybody know you got something. Some of us dress beyond our means. We wanna let everybody know we got something, man. I don't know if you noticed today, but my pants are a little baggier than they were last week because our youth pastor bullied me. She said, that just the style of pants you're wearing are not in. It's like baggies in right now. She bullied me and I succumbed to it and I should have trust God, but no. 
I fell for two young adults making me put pressure on me about what I was wearing, and I went to the mall, and I bought some baggier pants, and then this week I realized the devil is a lie. I don't care if you a young adult. You ain't going to put pressure on me to dress like you. I will get up here in some cross-color and Carl Kanai sweatshirt. Come on, old saints. Where the old saints? Where the old saints at? Where the old saints at? You don't know nothing about Carl Kanai, young buck. Somebody in the back. Don't know nothing about that. Come out here on some cross color and Carl Kanai. You, I'm not trying to keep up with y'all. So stop putting pressure on me. Literally, there's in the front row. I'm preaching the gospel, and they in the front row talking about. I don't think we like his pants. <laughs> Holy Spirit is falling. The devil is lurking even on your church staff. Had me out in Zara spending money that I didn't need to spend because I felt, and the Lord told me, trust me, put on your tight pants and preach the gospel. Make some noise. Serious, man. Serious. I don't need to boast about it. I don't need to brag about it. Jeremiah 9.23 says, this is what the Lord says. Not only should we not boast about money, we shouldn't boast about anything. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. And then it goes on to say in Matthew 6 verse 2, when you give to the poor, don't blow a loud horn. That's what the show-offs do in the synagogues and on the street corners. When I first read this, I thought that it was like trying to give an example. But then I researched biblical like history, and they actually did this. They would give to the poor, and they would go in the temple and go, bam, 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 bam. we gave to the poor. Like, that was a thing. There was a horn. Like, there was a horn that they would blow when they did something nice so that everyone could know that they were generous. Like, I'm like, don't do that. And Jesus says this about this, they do that because they're always looking for praise. I can assure you that they already have their reward. Right? Don't be a, a, a generosity influencer. Well, the people that go around and film themselves doing things for homeless people to build their following on Instagram, that's your reward. That's what the Bible said. Now, if you're trying to inspire other people to give, I get it. But if you're doing that to build a platform and to be an influencer, God's go, okay, cool. He doesn't say don't do that. He says you got your reward. That's your reward was your praise. So it speaks to us that there's a greater reward for our generosity. So it says, like literally, these are all the themes. Don't love it. Don't trust it. Don't boast about having it. And don't boast about giving it. And the fourth one is don't worry about it. Yeah, that one, then the nine o'clock. First three, I was like, okay, don't love it, whatever. Don't trust it, we know. Don't worry about it. Oh, mm, mm. Nobody even said anything. I, mean, I couldn't even make a Just start making noise. Because y'all are so stressed about money. Overwhelmed. And you try to act like you're not worried about it. You know how you know you're worried about money? When you say stupid things like, I'm just out here trusting God. No one says that if they're actually trusting. It's my 12-year anniversary today, y'all. Marriage, it is. How's it going? Just out here trusting my wife. No, you don't. You don't need, I'm just out here trusting my husband. That means you don't trust them. We don't have to announce the things that we're actually doing. Don't worry about it. This is probably the one that cripples the church. Whenever you're worried about money, it alters your ability to deal with it. Matthew 6, verse 25 through 27. Therefore, I tell you, 
don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear. Don't let your young adult staff bully you into baggy pants. It's right here. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. So when you're worried about money, it goes, hey, you know what? The Bible, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, is crazy. Think about your friend worried about money. Think about you right now in this space, worried about where you're going to get your rent from, worried about mortgage, worried about your kid's college. And it says, you know what? How, what do I think you should look at? Look at the birds. It says, look at them. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't save. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't save. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't save which means they don't work for how they're going to eat. And when they get something, they don't have to store it. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Why? Because the reason why I was telling you to look at the birds is because this is why the bird never has to worry about it, because every bird is operating exactly how God has designed them. Humans who, who operate how God designs them don't have to worry about money. Not, oh, I'm, I'm about, this is my binder. I will throw this right. You did not catch what I just said. I am going to say it again. That's why there's such an attack on identity and design. Because, because the world wants to make, make you believe that you've been designed to do something that God will not pay for. It does not mean that God doesn't love you just the way you are, but God funds and provides for the people in creation that do what he's designed them to do. So if a bird starts going to the zoo going, ooh, ooh, ooh ah, ah, that, that's a monkey. I didn't design you to do that, and so I'm not going to stop the gorillas from ripping that bird to shreds because the bird decides one day. Um, but if you operate how you're designed, and by the way, if you do something that's against the design, I've created the grace and the blood of Jesus to remove all those things from you. So now all you got to do is not say, this is how God made me. But no, God has made me to be perfect. Thank God for the grace of God. Lord, if you provide for the birds who are doing what they're designed, then as long as I'm operating in how I designed it to operate. I'm good. Somebody say, I'm good today. You don't have to worry about it. How stupid would it be for me to be in this room and go, hey, everybody, the mic isn't working. The microphone's designed for you to turn it on and hold it up to your face. You cannot complain that the microphone's not working when you just hold it around in your pocket. This is the season for you to operate exactly how God has designed you to operate. When there was an argument over paying taxes, Peter asked God one of the most profound questions in the New Testament. Do we have to pay taxes? I love Peter. God, now that you're here, <laughs> do we got to go to H&R Block? And, and Jesus said, whose image is on the coin? And he said, Caesar. And, and Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God what is God. What was he saying? 
He wasn't saying pay taxes. He said if they put their own image on the coin, why do you think on all the money is the image of presidents? Because that is the pinnacle of governing America, and it's like this is theirs. They printed it belongs to them. But he was trying to say if God's image is on the money, give the money to Caesar. But if my image is on you, give your life to me. Don't worry about it. Don't love it. Don't trust it. Don't brag about it. Don't worry about it. And the reason why I wanted you to hear all those four things is because somebody in this room has all four, or they have one. And before I read this next verse, you need to have that in your spirit. Like, where am I at with this? Because I'm telling you, God is bringing it. He's bringing it to people in this church. Not a prosperity gospel thing, a faith thing, and an obedience thing. And Deuteronomy 28 says that God will bless you in the city and in the field. And I'm tired of people moving from the city to the field because the field has, because the, the, the cost of living is cheaper in the field. No. You can be obedient where God has called you. Now, some of us, God has not called us to L.A., and we should move back to Wichita. But if you live in Burbank, and you want Burbank blessing, if you live in, a, in L.A. and you want Santa Monica blessing, you can't have Wichita obedience and Santa Monica dreams. Anybody from Wichita in here? I just want to say, my, my family's from Wichita. You should come out to Wichita. Listen. You just, you move somewhere where you're tripping over acorns and rattlesnakes talking about, look at the Lord. No. If that's where God has called you, move there. But God can give you the house payment that you need here. He can do it. But you just got to be obedient. And you might have to be patient. But don't move somewhere where you don't have to be patient you don't have to be obedient. These are the four things that I believe that God wants to do. Now, the other thing that I want to address is after the four things is because now we're going to read a verse line by line. And we're going to talk about what it means to be generous in the trenches when it comes to the church. Because many of us have been lied to or manipulated about giving to the church. And I believe that if we don't understand how to give to the church, we won't know how to give to the world. And so because this is a trigger for so many, we decided today, today we're not even collecting an offering. Because I don't want anybody to think that I'm using the word to leverage your giving to the church. The church has been around 40 years this year. We're good. You need to decide on your own what to give. And I'm good. So we didn't, we're not even collecting an offering today, so you won't try to say, see, gotcha, that's why he said that. No, we're, we're good. People who hear, who know, and believe in what Oasis is doing, they're going to give anyway because they believe that the Lord is doing. And so you, we're good. But I am going to break this down because we're going to go through it line by line. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this, and this is probably the most important verse, in my opinion, about giving in the Bible. Why? Because when it comes to the church, we talk about Jesus a lot, and I get that. Jesus, but really, if you're going to read the Bible, um, the, the church doesn't start getting talked about until God ordains Paul to begin writing the epistles. And so it's hard to figure out what the church is supposed to do in the Gospels because the church had not yet started. But the moment that the church, the Holy Spirit fell was the birthplace of the church, and now Paul wrote most of the books about the church. So if you want to know how the church is supposed to do things, you got to study what Paul wrote. And you're going to learn. And he said this. Without talking about an amount, we're going to read the whole sentence. Each one must give as he or she has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, not compul under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let's say it together. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In this verse, 
symbolizes the tithe, which I believe has been preached with borderline abuse, that if you don't tithe, you're cursed. We're all missing the point, I think. But each, I'm going to go through this word by word, because it says, each one must give as they have decided. I want you to lock in on that. They, everybody should make a decision. Every single person in the church should make a decision on what they want to give. That's what he said, make a decision. It doesn't say an amount. But if it's nothing, that needs to be your decision. You can't just say, well, because of the first four things I mentioned, because you love money, you're worried about money, you cannot say, well, I want to give, but I can't. No, 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 that's a decision. I'm not going to give. I'm going to give nothing. Whatever the decision is, make it. It says each person should have made a decision about this area. So don't allow the circumstances of life or the flow to help you make the decision. Make a decision. And if it's nothing, somebody in this room, it should be nothing. I'm not trying to throw shade and go, hey, well, it should be something. No, there was a person in our church once, years ago, who uh, uh, a family member needed emergency surgery, and I found out they had a GoFundMe, and I looked up what they had given the church, and I would wired it back to them. Wired it back to them. And they went, how can you do that? I was like, I don't even know if we can. But if somebody's going to trust God, it's going to be me. And do you know the money that they had given to the church was the exact amount of money that they put up for the GoFundMe? The exact amount. But they had made a decision. And what's crazy, that person didn't even come to the church and ask for help, and they had been given faith, faithful to the church for years. No, that's the, but we, we were able to, to, to step in. That person had made a decision. And it says each person should make a decision. So I'm not saying each person should give something, but if you're giving nothing, let that be a spirit-led decision. Just make a decision. And then it goes, each person should give what they decided. Not even should, must. Once the Holy Spirit get, helps you make a decision, now you must give it. You must. Not should, must. The pastor shouldn't help you. Pressure shouldn't help you. You must. I'm going to read that second line. Each person should give whatever their decision is by faith without excuses. Make a decision. So if the decision is the Lord is like, man, like you, your family, this family member needs surgery. You're in debt. I don't want you to give anything. Then when the offering container comes around, don't feel bad and then try to give something. This is not the season where let us know. Be humble. Let us bless you. Let us get you groceries. I'm not asking for a single mom who can't put groceries in their refrigerator to give us 10% of their income. That doesn't make any sense. If you need help, let us know. But decide in the presence of God and let it be what it's going to be. And if you've decided in your heart that you're going to tithe and you're going to give, don't let nothing stop you. Don't let any attack from the enemy over your finances stop you. Each person should give whatever their decision is by faith and without excuses. And the verse goes on to say how we make the decision. It says each person should decide in their heart. And that word means the desires produced by their inner character. We make the decision with our heart. So each person should make a decision. Each person should do what that decision is, no matter what it is. And each person should make that decision with the capacity of their character. Not with pressure from me or what I think, the capacity of their character. And then it goes, this is going to free somebody up because this is where I got super free. It says we should not give reluctantly. That word reluctantly means with sorrow or feeling bad. We should never give because we feel bad and we are people pleasing. People pleasing is a hidden addiction to glory. We want to be viewed as good instead of God. 
Uh, you want me to say that again? I don't know how much time I have to say things again, but I can never resist. I say we should never give because we feel bad or we are people pleasing. People pleasing is a people pleasing is a hidden addiction to glory. We want to be viewed as good instead of God, which is why when we people please and they're not pleased, we get mad at them. Because you didn't give me the glory I was earning. Like, that's the worst part about my job, is whenever I do something good, people say, praise God. When something bad happens, I get an email. I could stay up all night studying for this sermon. Wow, praise the Lord, the Lord move. But let y'all not like something. Pastor Julian, I just want to talk to you about something. I'm like, why don't you talk to God about it? I'm just joking. No, it's a hidden addiction of glory. And so we shouldn't feel bad. How much church giving is based on trying to make you feel bad? Like we put pictures of like homeless people and starving children in Africa with their stomachs swollen on the screens so that you feel bad and you'll do something. We do that. We don't go, hey. And there are, the, but have you been to Africa? There's a lot of joy in Africa. There's a lot of hope in Africa. Like the Africa is beautiful. And there are some pockets of Africa that kind of have that poverty, but a lot of these people worship God and are pretty content with where they are in life. But we paint the picture as if Africa is this like bad place that so we got to make you feel bad or she won't give. And it says don't give that way. Don't give reluctantly. Don't let anyone make you feel bad. Then it goes, don't give reluctantly. Put the verse back up on the screen, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Don't give reluctantly or under compulsion. Don't be a compulsive spender. Don't be a compulsive giver. I got freed up in my spirit. Do you know what compulsive means? It means to a distressed. It means don't give because of a pressing situation. Don't be a compulsive giver. Which means when your homie comes up to you and goes, if I don't get... I've been praying for, you know, they try to act like it's a prayer request, but they're really asking for money. <laughs> Come on, anybody, you ever get a prayer request, but it's really asking for money? Hey, if you could just believe with me, man, that God would provide, because if I don't pay my car payment by Thursday, it's going to get repossessed. And you're like, let us pray. <laughs> and then you pray, and they go, you think you could? <laughs> That wasn't no prayer request. We could have just cut to the chase. But it says, people do that to you. If, if I don't get help on my rent, they're going to evict me. That, that's not my responsibility. So you can't put that on me. It means don't, don't give because someone's trying to put pressure on you and trying to tell you, present to you how bad the situation is. And now what it's trying to do is demonic. So it's trying to design you to think that if you don't give to them, they don't, they're evicted. You didn't sign that lease? Now you should pray and respond prayerfully, but you don't immediately respond because it's a pressing situation. What I'm trying to tell you is never let anyone make their emergency your emergency without prayer and seeking God. Because God might want them to lose that car because he saw them post the Mercedes emblem he said, you're going back to Toyota. 
although Toyota is a great car. That's what it means. Don't, don't give just because it's a pressing situation. Don't be a compulsive spender, but also don't be a compulsive giver. And how many pastors jump up in the church and go, we got to do a building campaign. Who knows how long we'll be able to stay here if the people don't give. Lord knows how long or much longer we can minister because we're down to our last week of money. So we're going to raise the offering. You're like, I don't want the pastor to close the church. Y'all don't give. The church going to close. Everybody goes in that wallet like, well, we can't let the church close. Yes, you can. Because it says not to give because of that reason. Don't give because you don't want the church to close. Give because you've already decided you're going to give. So the church wouldn't be closing if people did the first thing. Everyone decided what they're going to do. But when people don't decide, the pastor goes, we're going to close. Ain't nobody going to have no food. You know, we got to help Miss Johnson stay in her apartment. And everybody goes, all right, all right. And there's no, the Holy Spirit can't work with that. Because we're not giving the way that God designed. And so there can be no increase in the church that does that. We don't, we don't do it by compulsion. And the last one is, for God loves a cheerful giver. And that word cheerful means a person who is ready to respond. Did you know generosity in the Bible does not mean an act of giving? It's the disposition that I'm always ready and I'm always looking. Because I want God to flow through me. I want God to flow through me. The other day I went to Alfred's, the one in Studio City, the good one, not the transmission fluid over here, man. You can't drink that stuff before you preach, man. Good Lord. Jesus. It's just stuff I'm like, I don't know where to put this in my car or drink this. It's a good one in Studio City. And I'm there. And I'm, you know, we, we're doing good. It's a good season of life. And I hear the, the, the barista talking to a coworker as I'm waiting in line. She's going, man, man, my check about to be fat. And she goes, man, because I've been working really hard. And, like, people keep calling off because people don't like to work. And I just, I tell them, if anybody calls off, let me have their shift. And I've been taking their shift. And I said, because I've been taking my shift, my last three checks have been fat. And I'm this close to being able to get my apartment and get a down payment to move into my first apartment. And she says, can I take your order? And I said, yeah, I want my four-shot cappuccino. Four-shot. I got two kids and I passed the church. Don't say four-shot. You've been in church twice this year. And you're talking about four-shot. You only need one shot. I ought to be here every week. Let, my, let me have my four shot, four shots. You ain't been here since Easter. You can get, drink the caffeinated coffee. I'm just messing with you. So I said, let me get my four shot caffeinated. <laughs> Jason is rolling. <laughs> Y'all can't laugh, man. You're distracting me. Uh, <laughs> so I got my four shot cappuccino. I said, by the way, man, let me, you know, I text my wife. It's going down. It's up. I'm like, the Venmo's about to hit the account. And I sent her what, what, like the balance of what it would be. And we blessed her with the bill. I'm in a coffee shop, but I was ready. I was looking. So generous isn't giving her. Generosity is looking. Now, here's how I shouldn't have given. This is important for you to understand. What I should not do, what I used to do, is she's behind the counter and she's going, if I don't have my rent, I'm going to be homeless. And I go, oh, I can't let that happen. That's compulsion. And I'm not giving cheerfully. I'm like, I have to give to this girl. She's going to be homeless if I don't. No, a cheerful giver is I'm looking for opportunities to be generous. And by the way, generosity begins when you think you don't have enough to do what you're about to do. So some of y'all have put $10,000 in the offering, 
but you don't think you have enough time, so you don't spend time with anybody. Be generous with the area you think you lack. It's so important if you think you lack it or you think you don't. Welcome the generosity when you're not sure if you can do what you're about to do. That's generosity. Generosity. And it unpacks all of this. And then everybody would choose the amount. Now I want to talk to you about the amount that my wife and I have chosen, and we usually do above, but we have chosen that our amount is going to be the tithe, 10% of the income that God has blessed us with. Now stats would show that uh, 80% uh, of this room does not do this, and we're okay with that. We're okay with that. And, and, and you have heard, if you grew up in church, that your finances are cursed if you don't tithe. That is a lie. We do not tithe because our finances are cursed. It doesn't say that anywhere in the New Testament, anywhere. Why? Because Jesus broke every curse in the Bible. It was a curse. I personally don't want to do something that used to be a curse. Just because Jesus paid the price doesn't mean that I want to do something that used to be a curse. It ain't a curse no more. We good. No, you got to be careful. Right? You got to be careful. You're lame. This is going to free somebody. But it's not a curse. God says he puts rain on the unjust and the just alike. He will bless somebody that don't even know him. God is so good. So you know he ain't cursing a church member because they don't give 10% of their income to the church. It's not true. That's not why my wife and I tithe. You know why my wife and I tithe? Malachi 3.10 says this. Bring the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in the temple. If you do, somebody say if you do says the Lord of heaven's army. That sentence right there is why we tithe. You know how many names God has? Do you know how many names God has? God has a million names. He told uh, 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 Moses he was the I am. He told Abraham on the mountain in Genesis 22, he told Abraham that he was Jireh, the God will provide. He is our healer, Rapha. He is our savior, Christ. God has so many names. So many names. But when he talks about the tithe, he goes, which name should I use to describe what happens when people trust me in this way and give this to the church? Oh, I'll use my military name. I'm in charge of heaven's armies. That's the name I'm going to use, the, the God who's in charge of heaven's military. Do you know who is the chief general of heaven's armies? Michael the archangel. So the same angel that kicked the devil out of heaven will fight for your finances. Listen, what name should I use? Says the Lord of the heaven's armies. So it says this, if you do this, I will open up the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing where there is not room enough to carry. So what the open heaven does for people who tithe is it releases Michael if the devil tries to play with you and provision to bless you. Did you, I, I just got the, I feel the Holy Ghost up in here who, for somebody who's in a battle of finances and God is saying, I'm gonna release the guy who kicked the devil out of heaven. You think if Michael can kick the devil out of heaven, he can't kick him out of your chase account? Is this thing on? I wish there was about 20 people who stood to their feet right now and praised Jesus, 
praise the Lord for a God who's releasing the heaven's armies for obedient Christians. We don't give because the pastor will get mad if we don't. We don't give because there's outreach to do in the church. We don't tithe because we feel pressured. We don't tithe because we feel guilty. We give to God's house because it opens the heavens over our finances and releases the heaven's armies over the devil when he tries to come against all that God has planned for me. Give God a shout of praise for an open heaven. Give God a shout of praise if you're saying, I will not fear. Give God a shout of praise if you don't love money anymore. Give God a shout of praise if this is not something that you're going to do under compulsion, but by faith. Somebody shout faith. This is a faith move. Shout to God if you believe it in this season. We thank you. somebody needs to do that is currently not tithing because if we're not careful you will feel guilty that you're not that's not the point of this message the point of this message is that you would understand what the Bible says about it and and you are God's um, son you are God's daughter you understand this concept because if you're an actor or you are a, um, an athlete all these people have agents and managers and the concept is, is that when they get blessed, they, they, they give to their manager first. They don't decide what they're going to give to their manager. The manager gets 10% first. So the tithe is your first 10. And, and the reason why most people who book something awesome happily do that is because they're making a profession that they could go further with 90% and this agent or manager than 100% on their own. And so it's the same thing with tithing. We're saying we give God our first because I can go further with 90% and God than I can go with 100% on my own. But here is the thing. Agents and managers are not vessels of grace and mercy. They're not going to say you can keep it because I know you're going through a hard time. Oh, trust me, they're going to take it. They're going to take it 100% of the time. God only wants to give it if you're happy to give it. So if you're not happy to do it, he doesn't want it. It's not a rule. But what we should do is we say, God, I need to open heaven over my life. And God, you are a God of mercy. And so this is not, I'm asking for your mercy. Will I find the time to get into a space where I can obey God? Now, some of you, God is saying, hey, we're not ready for 10%. Like you, you got, you in debt. But start with something. Each person should do what they've decided in their heart to do. I'm just telling you why we've decided in our heart to give. I'm not asking everybody to tithe. But there's somebody here who's not doing that, and they're in a spiritual battle, and Michael is not released. And the heavens are not open. Do you know if you studied an open heaven, that the, how many few scriptures say that God opens the heavens? 
The two main ones I can think of are when the heavens were open to tell Jesus, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And the other one is giving. So God opens the heavens to tell you who you are and God opens the heavens to provide for you. And that's what we want. I want to open heaven over the church because I don't want to have an offering. Our first plan was, you know, every, every sermon on giving, we pass the offering containers around and the Holy Spirit said, don't you dare do that. Because the promise is that I want to give them. What did the scripture say in Malachi 3.10? Try me in this and see if I don't open up the heavens and give you root to where there won't be room enough for you to contain it. So the Holy Spirit told me in the service, don't pass the containers because I'm getting ready to make them the containers. And I'm about to give them something. They don't even have room enough. They don't even have room enough. And if you would just align yourself with what God wants to do, I will bless your church and you won't have room enough to carry it. And then when we pass the offering, just remember I preached this message. That's, no, that's what, you're blessed to be a blessing. If this does something in your life, then when it happens, if God gives you 100 million, you're just going to hear, Hey, it's Pastor Julian. What's up, bro? January 21st, glory in the trenches. I saw you. You was broke, wasn't you? Bless your boy. No, I'm just playing. But literally, that's how it should be in the church. It should be like that lighthearted and that it's not deep. So as we continue to do that, and, and my wife continues to do that, we've seen unbelievable financial provision and blessing, and many people in this room has experienced it. So I'm saying this to you because this is going to prepare you in the next 18 months. Now, if you're in debt, God hates debt. I want you to put this on the screen right now. We cannot have four people taking Financial Peace University in a room with this much debt. I want them to put it on the screen right now because if you cannot give but you have not done this, I'm believing for 20 signups right now in this room that you would just stay after this service. 22 more minutes this starts, and this could be your journey to prepare you to be the container. We didn't pass the container, but God wants to pass you as the container of his glory throughout this community and show what is possible for those who worship the Lord. And so I want you to do that today. And if you're in this space and anything said was said today that you resonate with, I want you to lift your hands. I want to pray for God's miraculous provision in your life. And I thank you for the people in this church who value what we do enough to give so that there can be Sundays where we don't do offerings because I know there's hundreds of people in here that are going to do it anyway. I thank you for them. It's because of them that we can have moments like this where someone can be broken free from financial fear. So to thank you and we praise God for you. And so right now, Lord, we are released from fear and worry when it comes to this area. We are released from the love of money, which brings many sorrows and pierces people and makes them wander from the faith. We are released from that. And now, Holy Spirit, empower us to do what only you can do, and that is make us vessels for your grace. Make us vessels for your glory. Make us vessels for provision. And, Lord, I pray right now for an open heaven over somebody's finances, that as they give what they've decided in their heart to do, that it would release the angels of heaven to, to, fight, to, to fight battles for them that they don't even have the strength to fight for in this season. I pray for those who had children and they're, not, they're struggling to afford things for their children. The Bible says that bless, children are a blessing from the Lord. They're like arrows in the quiver of a warrior. You are fighting for their families. You are fighting 
for their finances, and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, Oasis Church, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, take this to heart. Pray about it. Meditate on it. Can't wait to see what God does specifically over this next year and 18 months. Come on, y'all. Financial peace starts in, in 20 minutes. Student loan debt. We about to go bye-bye in Jesus' name. Come on, make it happen. Love y'all so much, and I'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share with a friend. To join us on the journey of being present, connected, and generous, visit oasisla.org connect. We love you so much, and we'll see you soon.